Amen. God is so good. We're going to get into the Word this morning, and um, I love coming to the Word. And uh, I want to ask you a question this morning. Ever been in the right place at the right time with the right people and the right thing happened? Come on. Ever been in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people and wrong things happened? And we've all had those experiences as well. I remember meeting my wife, or she wasn't my wife then, and I realized I was at the right place at the right time. And uh, I, was, uh, I was a new Christians pastor in our church. It's quite a large church. And, and this young man who'd been a Christian, but, but at 15, walked away from God. And at 20 years of age, he just came back to church and got radically recommitted his life to Christ. And I'd been following him up. And, and he was going to get water baptized. Heard there's a water baptismal service next week. If you haven't been water baptized, man, don't hold back. Do it. It is life transformational to make a public declaration to follow Christ. It's incredible. And so sure enough, uh, we, he said, well, Paul, would you come back to my family's house for lunch on church on Sunday after we have water baptisms? I said, sure, I'd love to. And so, you know, back then I'd been living by myself with a bunch of bachelor guys in a hovel of a house for five years. I didn't realize how low and depraved we'd sunk in that house. And, uh, and so sure enough, where I'm over for dinner and, I'm, and this, this family, there was grandparents there and there was uncles and aunts all celebrating the baptism and, and, and they were yelling at each other, this is a great family, it's like my family, you know. And, and I was lonely at the time. I, 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 hadn't, I wasn't dating anyone. I was like every single person looking, who's that person going to spend the rest of my life with? And, and I had a great time. I remember walking out going, no, that was awesome. Thanks, Mark, for inviting me around. He said, no, it's great, Paul. And I saw this picture this photo of a girl on the wall I said who's that he goes that's my sister I said why wasn't she here today well she's just come back from Bible college and she's helping out a friend's church they've got a keyboard player then she's just playing for him for the next eight weeks I said oh excellent what's her name he goes her name's Joe Joanne I said oh awesome and, well the next day I'm at church I'm working in the office and when Joe had come back from Bible college she felt God say don't go back to full-time in the advertising industry come back and volunteer your time to serve at this organization called Youth Alive who my boss ran so she walks into the office and I walk up and say, hey, go on, Joanne. And she's like, who is this creep that knows my name is talking to me? And that was good timing. I was at the right. Now, she was dating another guy at the time, but that didn't matter. Because when you know you're the guy, you just overcome any obstacles that may be in your path. I was in the right time at the right place to meet the right people. And it was perfect timing. And I like to call it this. It was kingdom timing. And that's what I want to talk to you briefly about this morning, church, is kingdom timing. We have all experienced God's perfect timing. We've all experienced bad timing in our lives. And what I've discovered is many Christians in 21st century living are anxious about the future. What's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to the economy? Am I going to have a job next year? What's going to happen when I finish my study course? Am I going to be able to get a job after I've got my degree? Can I buy a house? Will I find my life partner? And all these questions are going on and on. And, and we can start thinking, well, I've got to make things happen in my life. And I've found in my life experience, 46 years, I had my birthday this week. I know 46 years of abuse on a body like this. You can have an incredible system like this as well. But 46 years of life experience, and through God's scripture, I've realized this. God's timing is always perfect. And we can walk in his favor when we put him first in our lives. We know this scripture, Matthew 6, 33. You know the scripture, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I love that. It's easy for God to add things to you. It's easy. 
If God spoke and created the universe, do you think he can provide and add to you school fees for your kids? If God spoke and created the heavens and the earth and in seven days made all the things on the planet, do you think he can provide finances for you to purchase a vehicle because you just had another child and you've got to graduate from the hatchback to the Kia Carnival? Okay. God can do that. God can add anything to your life. What's hard for God to find is a generation that will seek him first. It's easy for God. to. Uh, the more and more I seek God and put Him first, the more and more I've realized over the years and the decades, He just keeps adding things to my life. He just keeps blessing me. But God's trying to find a generation that will seek Him first. God's timing is perfect, but we, you and me, we get impatient. You look at me like, no, I don't. I said, what kind of, just stop lying to me. We're all, who gets impatient here? Come on. You put something in the microwave, you're tapping your feet, 30 seconds, too long. There was a time we didn't even have microwaves. But we remember God is God and you are man. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And in the book of Galatians, could I just have a little bit of fallback? In the book of Galatians, it says this incredible phrase, in the fullness of time, Jesus came. Not too early, not too late. Jesus came in the fullness of time. In Galatians 4.4 it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. God's timing is always perfect. History tells us that Jesus came in the perfect epoch, the perfect moment of history. He didn't come too early. He didn't come too late. You see, the two great civilizations that had just been previously and functioning at the time when Jesus came was firstly the Greek civilization. And what the Greeks did so much, so well was that they had a, a written language and the, the Greek language became in the known civilized world around the Mediterranean, the language of education and the language of commerce. You might be a Parthian, you might be from Egypt you might be from Judea but you may speak your own local language but you learned Greek so you could be educated and you could trade and then after the Greeks came the Romans came and the Italians they came they saw and they concreted they built roads all the way through the Middle East you could travel from Rome all the way around through Judea Samaria all the way through North Africa you could travel because the Romans were great builders and they connected the civilizations together but not only did the Romans build things they ruled things they brought the rule of law they conquered with their armies and they brought citizenship and if you had Roman citizenship you could travel anywhere in the empire safely on the Roman roads and get to one place to another so when Jesus came and then he walked on the earth and the faith was produced and the day of Pentecost came and the church was birthed guess what it was was able to spread because it was in the fullness of time the right time the Apostle Paul wrote all the New Testament in the book in the Greek language so it could be communicated in all parts of the empire. And the Apostle Paul was a Roman citizen by birth so he could travel to all parts of the empire and freely communicate the gospel. Jesus came in the fullness of time. And I want to encourage you this morning, he's never too early in your life. He's never too late. He is always on time. Can I have an amen? We just get impatient. But God's slow. God's old. He's the ancient of days. But he's always on time. Oh, you know, one of the things that really annoys me as a pastor is new Christians. Because their prayers always seem to get answered straight away. We've got this guy in our church. He's um, from Tehran in Iran. And he's been in Australia five months. 
he owned a supermarket and he'd been believing to migrate to Australia for years. And one of his employees in Tehran would always witness to him, so you come, you need to know, know Jesus. So he finally went to the home church. It's illegal to be a Christian. It's illegal to fellowship as a church. And, and he just had a born-again experience. And then literally within two weeks of that experience, he got, he got his papers through and he came to Australia. And he was looking for a church and he, he saw our, he looked it up on the internet, saw our church, he came to it and, and he's been there every Sunday since. And he got water baptized two weeks ago. It was an incredible experience. And he's just the most excited person. He comes half an hour early to church. And he's 35 years of age. He says, Pastor Paul, his name is Hardy. He said, Pastor Paul, I can drive the church legally and I can worship in freedom. I will be a church. And, uh, and he's awesome. He's telling me, well, Pastor Paul, the first week I was here, he's just a new Christian. I prayed, God, give me a job. And he gave me a job. The next day I prayed, God, give me a house. He gave me a house. And he said, Pastor Paul, God's so good. He just answers my prayers. And the next one I'm praying is, give me a wife. And, uh, and, uh, but, I, but you know what it is? New Christians seem to get their prayers answered straight away. And somehow as we get more mature in our faith, things seem to take a little bit longer. But I want you to understand God's timing is perfect. And I tell you, as Christians, we would have a lot less stress in our life if we realize God's got kingdom timing and you need to understand it so that you can walk with confidence and conviction into your future. I want you to turn the Bible to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I love this book. Verse 1, for everything there is a season, a time for activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry, and a time to laugh, a time to grieve, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to turn away, a time for search, to search, and a time to quit searching, a time to keep, and a time to throw away. Right there, that is the, the challenge of a marriage for 24 years. I am a hoarder. My wife is a minimalist. Right now, she's throwing things away that I like in the house, okay? A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do people really get for all their hard work? I have seen the burden God has placed on us all. Verse 11. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. You know, right now, you can't see the scope of God's work from beginning to end that He's doing in your life. You just see right here, right now. I said this in the earlier service. One of my favorite places to go in the world is Hong Kong. I love that place. It's the, it's the most packed in place, high population density in the whole world. And I usually say in a suburb called Chim Sao Choi, and it's a big underground railway station you come up and I want to go out exit number H but the crowd's so big I end up going the wrong way in exit number D and I come up and I don't know where I am on the road I'm trying to go that way and the crowd's so big it's pushing me this way but I can't get perspective of where I am because all the signs are in Chinese I don't know where I am I can't read Chinese and I'm trying to find it but when I preach I preach at my friend's church and his church is on the 77th floor of the central plaza in the middle of Hong Kong and when you're up there on the 77th floor it's a glass pyramid with a 300 seat church on the top it's awesome lonely planet it's the best place for a free view of hong kong so in the middle of your message japanese tourists that come out of lift taking photos in the middle of your sermon you're preaching and eagles are flying past you but when you're up there it's a whole different perspective than when you're down on the street 
And you can see that's the new territories. That's Aberdeen. That's Shenzhen, where all the pollution is. This is Hong Kong. And I want to encourage you, God sees your life at the beginning and at the end. You're just seeing it from one little time span. Verse 12, so I concluded there's nothing better to be happy. Enjoy ourselves as long as we can. Who likes that scripture? We should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are the gifts of God. And I know whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or from it. For God's purpose is that people should fear him. Verse 15, I love this. What is happening now has happened before. And will happen in the future has happened before. Because God makes the same things happen over and over again. I love that. People go to him, oh, Pastor Paul, Pastor Paul, the world's so bad. The world's so bad. What are we going to do? I said, the world's always been bad. Have you read history? Wouldn't you like to live when the bubonic plague was around or Genghis Khan? Or maybe the Great Depression when one in every three Australian males didn't have a job in Australia? Or those who lived through World War II like my grandparents in Nazi-occupied Holland and they couldn't have enough food to feed their kids? I'm telling you, the world's always been bad, but God has always been good and the church needs to become great. We need to realize kingdom timing is powerful. You think about the life of Joseph. I love Joseph. I love Joseph because sometimes people think all the heroes in the Bible are speakers, but they're not. Some of the greatest heroes in the Bible are administrators and bureaucrats. So if you've got a gift of management on your life, it is a godly gift. Most of the book of Genesis is written about this one man called Joseph. And Joseph has a teenager, has a dream that he's going to rule and do something great. And his family's going to bow down before him. And, and he thinks that they're going to celebrate that and they hate him for it. In fact, they were going to murder him, but then they sell him off into slavery. But his heart is for God. So even as a slave in Potiphar's house, the Bible says God blesses Potiphar for Joshua's sake. He favors, puts favor on his house for Joseph's sake. And so Joseph's in that house and you know the story, he, just, he, he gets so amazingly gifted in management that he ends up running the whole household. The only thing he can't touch is Potiphar's wife. And Potiphar's wife starts longing for him again and again. She comes to him and finally says, I cannot, how could I sin against, not Potiphar, how could I sin against God and be with you? And he flees and she accuses him of sexual assault. So next thing, he's thrown into prison, falsely accused. Now, if this was me, I'd be whinging and complaining. God, you gave me a dream. And look at my, it wasn't for my brothers and old Potiphar and that stupid wife is telling that lie. And now I'm in prison and you hate me. Go, where are you, God? And like, no, no, no. He used his gift for God there. He says to the, the jail guards, he says, hey, just go back and watch the TV, watch the Big Bash, watch the Super 15s. I'm going to run the prison. And as a prisoner, he lets them take it easy. And he suddenly runs the prison. It's running better than it has before. And then finally interprets the cupbearer and, he can, and, the, and, the, and, and the baker's dream. And, and he says, don't forget me. And they, they get released from jail. One gets released totally from jail. And next thing, three years later, he's still in jail. But finally, he interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And he goes from prisoner to prime minister in one day. And then in a couple of years later, his whole family comes before him, bows down in worship towards him, and the dream is fulfilled. You know the distance between the beginning of the dream and the fulfillment of the dream was over 40 years? We, we, get, we say, God speaks to us, and we're like, oh, awesome, it's going to happen tomorrow. It may happen tomorrow, 
But in God's timing, it may happen in 40 years. Because maybe you don't have the character and the experience and the wisdom to handle that dream that God has given you in your heart. He's not to, he wants to get you in. He's more concerned not just about the destination, but who you become on the journey of your life. Kingdom timing is powerful. You think of David. He was anointed by King Saul to, to be the king, but that's what he did after that. Went back to looking after the sheep. Had to bring his lunch to his brothers. But when he was faithful in what God had given him and he defeated the lion, the bear. So when Goliath came, he said, I've, I've seen this before. I can take this guy down. You know, then he began to, he wasn't king then. He played the harp for Saul. Then Saul tried to kill him and persecute him for years until finally he becomes king in God's timing. He had to be the shepherd of a few sheep to be trained to be the shepherd of all of Israel. Some of you are impatient of where you are right now. You say, God, this isn't the job I want. Exactly. You're not ready for the job that you're called to do. But take everything right now and do it with everything that's in your heart unto God. Kingdom timing is powerful. Think of Daniel in the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Esther, or Peter, or Paul. I want to encourage you today. You may not be ready now for the dream that God's given you, but you can work towards it. Allow God to mature you, to grow you, to put you through the seasons of life. 12 years ago, I took over a church in Brisbane. It was a church that was really struggling. Had a $4.2 million debt. The bank was about to foreclose on the property. And I took over this church and there was a youth pastor there. He was Indian. His name is Sanjay. And, and um, after about six months in that church, I said, how are you going, Sanjay? He goes, oh, I love it, Pastor Paul. I said, I said, what would you like to do in 10 years' time? He said, you know what? I want to go back to India. I was born in India. Came here when I was six months old. I want to plant a church in India. I said, you know what? I want to do that right now. He goes, excellent. Can I go next year? I said, no, you're not ready. He said, what? I'm ready. I'm full of energy. And I said, you're not ready. He was a youth pastor. Then him and his wife became the kids pastor. Then they ran the Bible college in our church. Then they helped pioneer a new service. Then they ran a West Camp. 11 years went past. And then suddenly I just felt God say, time is now. Let's do it. I said, God, I've got no money. He said, no, time's now. And we sent him 18 months ago, his wife, never been to India before, three kids, to Mumbai. They didn't know one person. But in the last year, they've seen that church grow and explode. They've got over 100 university students here. They've seen Muslims say this and Hindus say They've seen miracles say It's amazing what God's doing in that place. But they had to come to a certain level of authority and experience to be able to handle the plan and the purpose that God has for them. Galatians 6, 9 says, So let's not get tired or weary of doing what is good. For at the right season or God's timing, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Don't give up just before you see the breakthrough and the answered prayer. Delay is not denial in your life. When God says it, He will fulfill it. And I just want to give you a couple of things this morning on kingdom timing. They're going to help us as Christians, but also help us as a church. Because there's always the timing of God in this church. This church has gone through many seasons. This church is in a great season now, but there's unfulfilled words over this church. There's new chapters for us. To, but we've got to understand the timing of God. Number one is this, if you're taking notes. Some people are so future-focused, they're paralyzed for today. Some people are so future-focused, they're paralyzed for today. Ever met a total dreamer lost in the future that they're no earthly good right here, right now? I've got this guy in my church. He's still in my church. He's been there for 12 years. He doesn't get involved in anything because he's waiting for God to call him to the mission field. I'm called to be a missionary. I said, great. What are you going to do about that? Oh, we need some help in kids' church. Oh, no, I'm, I'm just waiting. I'm focused. 
said, well, are you doing anything practical in life? You're going to study to be a nurse or a school teacher so you maybe can get a job over there as a tent maker. No, no, I'm just waiting for God. He's still waiting. Because the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. I've sent four or five other people to the mission field. But they were just whatever God gave them. Like David, a little bit of sheep, kids church, connect group, small group. They just did it faithfully unto the Lord. And you know what? God used those things as preparation for the future. Don't be so future focused that you're no earthly good today. Don't be that guy saying, well, one day we're going to do this. Well, what can you do right now? Well, one day I'll tithe when I get a lot of money. We'll tithe with the little bit you've got. Well, one day we'll do this. You know, do something right now. Don't just focus on the destination. You need to be fruitful on the journey. I'm a destination kind of guy. I'm a goal kind of guy. I lived in Adelaide for many, many years, and I would drive nine hours home to my parents' house in the country. And I'd done that road so many times. I took about 15 destinations. I'd worked it out over 10 years. I brought it down to seven hours and 15 minutes because I'm all about the destination. In Australia, you drive till the car gets to empty. You got a 10-minute fuel break, toilet, food, get back in the car, bums on seats, we're out of here, okay? That's how I go. And so a couple of years ago, I was planning with my wife and I. We said, let's go to Sydney for a week's holiday and we'll go to a conference there. It's about 1,000 kilometers from Brisbane to Sydney and I worked it out. I could do it in 10 hours and 25 minutes. I worked out where we would stop on the way, the freeway stops at the fuel stations, at the BP and all that kind of stuff. And the only problem was Joanne was eight months pregnant. So we start cruising out of Brisbane. We're gone 45 minutes and we're just hitting the Gold Coast. And she goes, I've got to go to the toilet. I said, no, you don't. She goes, yes, I do. I said, no, you're going to mess up the plan. If we're going to get to Sydney in 10 hours and 25 minutes. And she says, no, I need to go. So we're stopping. I'm, like, I'm starting to get a little bit angry. I'm frustrated. Like, 10 minutes, how long is it? Take it in there, you know. And we get in the car and I've got to make up time. And so we're driving and we go about another hour and a half. And she goes, I've got to go to the bathroom. I said, no, you don't. She goes, yes, I do. And I am smiling on the outside. But I am fuming on the inside. And the tension is lifting in the car. You know, people, before we had GPS and Google Maps, you know those fights that used to happen between husbands and wives with the maps? You people under 40 don't know what a map is, but we used to have these directories where you have to go on the grid, G by five, and, and there'd be the best arguments in your marriage in the front seat of a car, just on the way to a new church, okay? And so, um, and so sure enough, and, and at the third stop, I am fuming. And so she gets out, and then she comes back in the car, she says, don't start. So what do you mean? She goes, before you go, you just got to realize we're not going to make it in 10 hours and 25 minutes. And I'm like, I am fuming. And she goes, you know what? You've got to change your attitude. She goes, you know what? You have for the next maybe 10, 15 hours the privilege of sitting next to me and talking and communicating with me. So you can just change your attitude right now and enjoy the journey and not just think about the destination. I hate it when she's right. I had to make a decision not just to focus on the destination, although that is important, but to enjoy the journey on the way. Can I hear any amens out there from the wives? What you're doing right now may not be your ultimate dream destination, but enjoy the journey. You may dislike the job you've got, the university course you're doing, but don't just focus on the destination. God wants you to be fruitful right here, right now. You know what? You may not be happy where you are in your Christian walk. That's okay. But, but enjoy the journey. Be the person God's called you to be. Second thing is this. Some people are so now focused, they have no vision for their future. 
the book of Proverbs say, without a vision, people perish. Or some translations say, without a vision, people dwell carelessly or they cast off restraint. I believe we're living in a generation that's plagued with that mentality. Well, I can never afford a house, so I just live it up now. We've got grey nomads going around Australia saying, well, you know what? I'm going to just spend my money now. Forget about the next generation. Let's buy that Winnebago. Let's go, baby. Okay? And, uh, and it's, a, it's a live now attitude. But you know what? We've got to realize, we've got to believe that Jesus may come back tomorrow, but we've got to plan like he's not coming back for another thousand years. We've got to have wisdom. You know, there's a generation that's party now because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in the world that we live in. You know, I've seen many times in my own church, some people just, just living so much for now, but, 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 but it's like Esau. They want to do it now. Let's have the stew, but forget about my destiny that God has for me. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to, for good and not for disaster. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I want to encourage you today. We need to realize, guess what? We need to realize that God's got a future for us. So let's just not live in the here and now. Let's start planning for the future. Today, if you do not have a vision for your future, you do not have a dream for your future, I want to encourage you to step into a belief for one. You know, one of my employees a couple of years ago came to me, told me this story. He said, my grandmother rang me up, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, who was 95. She said, Matt, would you come down to Harvey Norman and help me buy a new television? He said, sure, Granny. He comes down there, great grand. And this 17-year-old pimple-faced salesperson is trying to sell her their extended five-year warranty. He's trying to be polite to his grandmother saying, Granny, it comes with a one-year warranty for free. Do you really need to pay the extra $265 for the five-year warranty? And she gets furious with him. She says, I want the five-year warranty. I love watching the cricket. I want a wide screen, flat screen. 80-inch television that I want to see. the, And she starts having this massive argument with her great-grandson. And she goes, okay, let's get the five-year warranty. You know she died last year at 102. (laughs) She got vision for her future. You see, when you have vision, you make decisions that have powerful effect. I see young people in the church, they can't save a cent. Suddenly they get engaged and they're not going out anymore. They're going around having canned soup. They're saving their money because they've got a vision for their future. Can I have an amen? Third thing, some people are so focused on the past, they miss the now opportunity. I see this in church all the time. People miss God's kingdom timing because of hurt, unforgiveness, offense, failure, sin. They're so stuck in something that happened yesterday, they don't see the God-given opportunity right here, right now. The people of Israel are that. They were believing for a Messiah for 2,000 years. And when he was there, they were so stuck in the past, they couldn't see that he was right there in front of them. The opportunity was here and now. Maybe you did go through that divorce. Maybe someone did betray you in business. Maybe you made a dumb decision which you're still paying the consequences for, but God's forgiven you. But if you kept stuck in the past, your hands are so clutched to that thing in the past, they're not free to open the door of the new opportunity that God wants to bring before you. And this morning, if you're to embrace God's kingdom timing, God's saying you've got to let go. 
You've got to let go of the things. That, that offence back in 1997 when that pastor did that thing to you and you've never been able to get involved in church again. I'm telling you, if you're living back in 1997, you can't embrace the opportunity that God has right now for you. The fruitfulness He wants to bring. God wants to heal your heart. God wants to heal your mind in your life. What does Philippians 3.12 says? He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. You were saved for a reason. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the race. You see, if I was to go to your house, I would see photos on your wall. But they're never photos of your worst days. They're photos of your best memories. But what I find with many Christians, they, they frame bad memories. You don't walk into my house and go, this is the day I, I, I rode off my brand new car. Took a photo. Here's the insurance guy. This is awesome. It was such a great experience in my life. No, there's a photo of my marriage day when my kids were born, Christmas celebration. But many times we frame bad moments. We, as Christians, we've got to choose to forget. We've got to let go. We've got to choose to let go so we can embrace what God has before us. Amen. The fourth thing for kingdom timing is this. Everything we do now is preparation for tomorrow's destiny. Everything, every season of your life, God will use for preparation for your destiny. My dad was a school teacher. He would always um, get me involved in everything at school. Went to a government school, high school, primary school, and sporting teams, debating teams, school leadership teams. And, and quite often I just got sick of it. So I'd come back with a, some, I got an invitation by the principal to involve this program called the Participation and Equity Program. It just sounded boring to me. So I threw it in the filing cabinet this round, the bin. My dad picked it up and goes, well, Paul, this sounds really good. You've been invited by your principal. And we live in the country town. You're gonna, it's, it's a beautiful program, Paul. They're going to invite all the country kids from all over Victoria down to Melbourne four times a year. You're going to discuss how you can make rural and regional education better for students. You need to be a part of that. Plus, you get four trips to Melbourne for a week for free every year. I said, Dad, I'm in. So I did that program. At the end of that program, it was a, it was a boring talk fest. There was nothing really great that happened. At the end, I got one of those beautiful certificates. Paul had successfully completed green photocopy. Paul successfully completed the participation and equity program and nine, eight, 1986 I think it was so I put it in my file with all the other junk you have and years later I'm in Bible college and my senior pastor comes and he says Paul the local government high school is, is offering a new job it's called school chaplaincy there's about 15 chaplaincies in our state but they're all mainline ministers Anglicans, Uniting, Methodists we want you to be the first Pentecostal chaplain in the state would you go for this job I'm like sure I was 19 when you're 19 and you're trying to put a resume together, you've got nothing to put in it. You're trying to make yourself sound good. You've got nothing in your life. I'm putting in football, St. John's first aid, ambulance figured. I'm, I'm writing up, well, I once I once worked at Kmart. Like it wasn't wasn't big thing. And I'm trying to put anything in there that makes me look good. And I go to the interview and it's just not going well. There's a Catholic priest there, an Anglican minister. And then there's the principal who's not even a Christian. And she's looking like through my file. And, and they're asking me all these questions. Well, you're very young. And what kind of Christian theology have you studied? I'm like nothing and and, uh, and, uh, and it's just not going well until finally halfway through the interview the principal stops and goes wow Paul were you in the participation and equity program oh I love that program I love that program Teresa and she goes well for the state of South Australia I ran that program for eight years I love that program 
I brought kids from all over outback areas to Adelaide and we focused on this program and we talked about how we could develop regional rural schooling to be better education. And she turned to the Anglican Catholic priest, on this certificate alone, I'm employing him right here, right now. Everything we do now is preparation for our destiny for tomorrow. So stop fighting God. Oh God, I don't want to work here. I'm the only Christian. Maybe that's the reason why you're here. Stop saying, God, I don't want to be in this season. Because if you just escape this season, He'll put you in the same season with different faces, different circumstances next year. Learn the lesson. Allow God to do something great in your life. And lastly, kingdom timing is when we're the right people, the right place, at the right time, with the right attitude. I want to encourage you. You're in the right church at the right time with the right people. On the day of Pentecost, it says they were in the right place. They're in the one place, one accord, and God began to move. You know what? You are in the timing of God right now. You may not like the season you're in, but God commands the season. One time I got angry with God. I closed with this. I said, God, you know, I was whinging about something to God. This hasn't happened in my life and blah, blah. And God said to me, did you die on the cross? Did you rise again? Did you shed your blood and save humanity? I said, no, Lord. He says, well, since when did you tell me how your life should run? And I went, oh, okay. He said, no, I've got your best intentions at heart. I know you better than you know yourself. And I'm not just focused on the destination. I'm trying to build you from the inside out to be a bigger person, a better person for the glory of God. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads this morning? I thank you, God. You know every person's name in this place. You know the journey that they're on. But some people are frustrated. Some people are impatient. Some people are struggling with the season they're in. But Lord, I pray that I know your timing is perfect. I know that you are faithful. I know that you are good. And I pray today that there would be a confidence in our spirit that you have us in the palm of your hands. That we can trust you with our lives. Not just part of our lives, all of our lives. We can trust you in our finances. We can trust you in our marriage, our family, our parenting, our health, our professions. We can trust you with everything. Lord, you're not too early. You're not too late. You are always on time. So we declare today, we are your children. You are our God. And we submit ourselves to you, Heavenly Father. And we thank you that you've been faithful to us before. And the evidence of that alone, we know that you're going to be faithful to us again. We give you all the glory and all the praise in the mighty name of Jesus.